Wow. You know, the song that they just performed so beautifully really is the perfect Christmas prayer. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Because this is what Christmas is. We celebrate the arrival of Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which of course means God with us. Emmanuel being one of the other names of Jesus that the prophet Isaiah mentioned 700 years before Jesus was born. And so that's why we celebrate so big. That's why there are so many lights and decorations. That's, as a matter of fact, why we give and receive presents and gifts this time of year is to celebrate the arrival of Emmanuel. As a matter of fact, let me ask you a question. Has anybody in the room ever heard of Santa Claus? If you've ever heard of Santa Claus, can I just see a show of hands? Well, a lot of people don't know this, but what I'm about to tell you is historically factual. Santa Claus was born a long, 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 long time ago, and his actual name when he was born was Nicholas. Now, Nicholas grew up to be just a very, very generous, generous guy. As a matter of fact, he loved giving presents to people who really needed them. It wasn't just like things that they wanted, but it was things that they needed. And so this kind of became his reputation, and people got to know this. Nicholas guy is awesome. I mean, he gives out presents a lot, especially during the month of December. And Nicholas was such a good guy that he didn't want people to know that he was the one giving them. So he would begin this tradition by sneaking up onto people's rooftops and dropping presents down the chimney. That's where the tradition started. And Nicholas became kind of well-known for doing this, even though he didn't want any credit for it. And that's why people started referring to him as Saint Nicholas, because he was celebrating Emmanuel, God with us. And a long, 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 long time after he was born, people in Amsterdam started referring to Saint Nicholas as Sinterklaas, or as they say in Holland, Sinterklaas. So turn to your neighbor and say, Sinterklaas. Well, you'll notice that Santa Claus sounds a lot like Santa Claus. And so that's why we celebrate through the giving and the receiving of gifts. And Santa Claus brings gifts and presents with Rudolph and all eight of the reindeer that Joe named earlier in our service. It's about the present. It's about the greatest gift ever given that is Jesus God with us. And that's why this is such a big deal. You know, it's been an interesting journey in my life. I've had kind of a unique experience with the whole Christmas experience. Ever since I married my wife, Julie, her father, my father-in-law, Joe, absolutely lives for Christmas. 364 days of his year are focused on this one day called Christmas Day. He loves Christmas like no one I have ever met in my life. I remember when, when Joseph and Emily were, were growing up, they've kind of you know, moved on to a certain degree. Now Joe's in college and Emily is out. But we would get messages from my father-in-law from Mississippi where he lives. He would start calling our house like in October 
to see if the grandchildren were going to be able to come visit at Christmas. And usually he'd have to leave a voicemail that would go something like this. Hello, this is Grandy. As if there was ever any doubt whose voice that was on our voicemail machine. And he'd say, I was just calling to see. It is October. I wanted to see if y'all thought you might have time to come to Mississippi at Christmas. We'd love to see you. We're going to have a lot of food. And for everybody who comes to Mississippi, there are going to be a lot of presents in Mississippi if you can make it. I know you're busy out there in Texas, but we would love to see you. I love you. Bye. He had and he continues to this day to have no shame whatsoever. But I've noticed something, and I started to notice this because Julie pointed it out to me, that the older I get, the more I'm becoming like my father-in-law. And if that doesn't wake you up in a cold sweat, I don't know what will. But like, I start getting kind of amped up about Christmas too because now that Joseph is in college on the other side of the country and Emily is living in her own apartment with a friend, I start to kind of get amped up and fired up about Christmas and I start to go, when are they coming home? When is everybody gonna be under the same roof? I don't think I'm alone. I think, as a matter of fact, my father-in-law is onto something that goes way, way, way beyond simple sentimentality. I think that there's something inside of every single one of us that connects Christmas and home. I think there's something inside, no matter what our experience with home might have been like, we all kind of hold out hope for the holidays that, that this connection between Christmas, this date on the calendar, and home, this desire of the heart, can actually find a union, that, that they, can, they come together and to create something really, really special particularly at this time of year, like no other time of year. And I believe with everything that I have, that Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, is the connective tissue between Christmas and home. As a matter of fact, when you read in the Bible about the birth of Jesus, it's talked about in, in the Gospels. The Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in John's gospel, that's John's narrative where he tells the story of Jesus' life from his perspective, what he saw, what he experienced. And in John chapter 1, he writes something really fascinating about the arrival of Emmanuel, about when Jesus became a human being. Look at what it says in John 1, verse 14. The Bible says, so the word became human and made his home among us. The word became human. The word in this context, John is talking here about Jesus. And he says, the word became human. Some translations will say the word became flesh. The, the, the result is the same. That, that Jesus left his rightful place in heaven on the throne room, in the throne room of heaven, and moved locations. He he relocated to earth and became one of us. Now, it's interesting that John uses that word, the word, because what he's saying there is that 
Jesus is the word of God. So every bit of the Bible that was written before Jesus was born, that's the Old Testament. You've got Genesis, you've got the law of Moses, you've got the history of Israel and all of the kings, and you've got the, the Proverbs and Psalms and Ecclesiastes and the books of wisdom, and then you've got the prophets. All of these things that happened hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was born. All of those parts of the Bible written before he was born point toward Jesus. And so Jesus is the fulfillment of the word of God. Every bit of that is about him pointing people toward the Messiah who has not yet been born, but now John says the word became human. And the word became human and made his home among us. That is a staggering concept. Let me ask you a question. It'd be, I think it'll be interesting, especially here in Austin. We've got so many people who have relocated here. From, those of you from California, welcome. How many, how many of us in the last 10 years have moved, like you've changed your address in the last 10 years in one way, shape, or form. Just raise your hand. Look at that. Look around the room. Is that fascinating? That's unbelievable. Now let me ask you another question just out of curiosity. How many of us who have moved in the last 10 years promised ourselves we would never do that again? Can I just say as you? I mean, you think about it. You gotta really wanna move. It is an ordeal. It is disruptive. But most of us move to, to create a better situation. Maybe it's a better house, it's a better location, maybe it's a better financial situation. But Jesus, Jesus left heaven. You, if you're in real estate, you know that the three laws of real estate are what? Location, location, location. Jesus left heaven to come to earth to be one of us. That is a staggering sacrifice just in and of itself. You, you, you look at that and think, what was he thinking? I mean, have, he, he, if you're God, you've got to have a good view. And he comes to earth, and he bec becomes a person. He, he maintained all of his divinity, all of his deity. He stayed God, and yet he took on human form. And, and he became one of us so that you and I could relate to the God who created us. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Jesus went to the, to the extreme degree of even being tempted in every way that we're tempted. So he, he understands what we go through. He understands the challenges and the pressures and the temptation. Now, of course, the big difference is that Jesus never gave in to temptation. Jesus lived a sinless, morally flawless, and pure existence. And he did so because of the ultimate reason that he became human and made his home with us. It was so that he could go to the cross. I loved what, what Derek said earlier right before we sang Away in a Manger, that, that the manger is, is important and it's great. It marks the arrival of Emmanuel. But the manger matters because of the cross. Because you see, on the cross of Jesus, Jesus became our sin. He, he took that on himself. And he died on that Roman cross. Died the death of a common criminal having never committed a sin. He took on 
mine. He took on yours. He became our sin. And because of that, he paid the ultimate price, the cost of sin, which is he died. And he died on that cross. But then he did for us what we couldn't have done for ourselves. When he rose from the dead, and make no mistake about it, that's not a myth, that's not an allegory, that is a fact that Jesus rose from the dead, and he rose from the grave with the offer of a new life. For anyone who would believe in him, for anyone who would believe in him, that we would never die, but we would have eternal life. And so it's because of the cross that the manger matters, but make no mistake about it, the manger matters, because that was where the word became human. That was where he began as he took up residence with us, for us. But it's interesting that, that he chose to become one of us, and yet because he became one of us, we could then relate to him through the forgiveness of our sins, through, in, in a relationship with God, but it wasn't just about this vertical relationship. It was because of this relationship that then all of these relationships, our interpersonal relationships, are blessed and strengthened and helped and repaired when they're broken. You see, that's part of what Christmas is all about also. If you look in Ephesians chapter two, just, just very quickly, there's a fascinating description about what Jesus accomplished when he became human, when he made his home with us. In Ephesians 2, the Bible says this. It says, you're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. And we see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. You see, because of our sin, we were outsiders. We were strangers to God. But when Jesus went to the cross and rose again and rose with that offer of a new life, we were made right with God. And because we were made right with God, these relationships are strengthened and blessed and enhanced. And he says, you're no longer a stranger or an outsider. As a matter of fact, he says what? He says, you belong here. You belong here. I want you to turn to your neighbor with Christmas passion and enthusiasm and tell him, you belong here. You belong here. You see, the Bible's not talking about, about the church as, as a building. It's not a structure. The Bible teaches us that we are the church, that we belong to each other. There's, there's a place for everyone. I love what it says, irrespective of how you got here, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, you belong because of Christ. Because of what Jesus did, you belong here. And that's such a great promise and such a, a great thing for us to really just take a second and focus on, especially at Christmas, because we know without a shadow of a doubt, this weekend we will celebrate Christmas together with a lot 
of CEOs. Did you know that? You, you, we have a lot of CEOs in the room right now. When I say that you're a CEO, I'm not talking necessarily about running an organization or a company or a corporation. CEO in this context means Christmas and Easter only. People who, who just say, hey, that's Christmas, so I'm going to church. And listen, that's great. That is awesome. And I hope you understand how welcome you are here. This isn't about making you feel guilty about not being here except at Easter. This is about making sure that you understand you are welcome here. You, you belong here. We're, we're, a, we're a hospital full of sinners. We, we are a, a colossal collection of moral foul-ups. We, we've all messed up. Nobody here has it all figured out. I mean, believe me, none of us has it all figured out. We're, we're working on this together because we all, in Christ, belong. There's a place for you here beyond Christmas and Easter only. And that's part of the, the gift of what God has given us in each other, in this, this family of faith. How many of us in the room know that family is not perfect? Can I just see a show of hands? If you, if you know, or maybe you, you suspect that, that family is not perfect, Julie and I have been married for 27 years, and we have been playing a game for 27 years called My Family's Crazier Than Yours. <laughs> and there are seasons where one family will sprint to the lead ahead of the other one. It was kind of like, y'all knock yourself out, take care. But then it never fails, it never fails. The other family makes it up, and they, they push hard, and they catch up, and, and they surpass. After 27 years of wedded bliss, your family's, my family's crazier than yours is a tie so far. The church is the same way. The church is not perfect. No, nobody ever said that it was. I love it when people say, well, I don't go to church because there are hypocrites in the church. God, they got a bunch of hypocrites over there in church. And, and you know what? That's true, because we, we're called into a relationship with a perfect, holy God, and we are not yet perfect. We're in the process of being perfected, the Bible says, but we haven't gotten there yet. So if somebody ever says to you, hey, I don't go to church because they're a bunch of hypocrites, you just smile and tell them, that's okay, we've got room for one more. That's, just, that's all right. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. Nobody around here is claiming to be. And if you do claim to be, please don't tell anybody you go to Lake Hills Church. <laughs> because the fact of the matter is, Jesus made himself at home with us specifically because we're not perfect. That's why he became God with us. He knew that we needed help. I want to ask you another question. How many of you over the holidays will have guests in your home? You, you'll have maybe extended family, friends. Maybe you'll have a... Go ahead and put your hand up. If you're going to have guests in your home, let me see. That is fast. That's great. Spiritual gift of hospitality and patience. Now let me ask you another question. 
And, and remember, this is family here, so your answers will stay here. Nobody will ever bring it up again. How many of us get a little amped up, get a little stressed out, frantic, frenzied when we have guests coming over? Can I just see a show? Just be honest. You're in church. Don't lie. Okay, that, and listen, that's okay. That's all right. That means that you care, by the way. And for the record, you can care too much. But it's okay that you care. But I've noticed something. Julie and I, I it's really funny. This, this kind of goes against my personality type, my natural bent. I actually have the spiritual gift of hospitality. I didn't even know that until years ago. I love having people in our home. Julie's like, all of a sudden, you're a servant when there are other people in the house. It's like, awesome. Maybe we could do it when there's nobody else. But anyway, that's a whole other sermon. But what I've noticed is, when Julie and I have people in our home, we're the only ones who can make them feel welcome. Nobody else can do that for us. I, I can't post somebody at the door and say, you make people feel welcome. I'm gonna stand over here and just kind of make sure they don't steal anything. <laughs> if I'm the host, if Julie's hosting, I have to make people feel welcome. I have to be the one who's going, I'm so glad you're here. Can I take your coat? Would you like something? To... But what if when people came into our home, we were like, hey, thank, thanks for coming. If you don't mind, would you just mind sitting in this one spot? Because we didn't feel like cleaning up the rest of the living room. If you'll sit right here, if you, no, 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 no not over there. Don't, the, please, no, please don't. That's where our dog sits. And she's going to be so upset if you sit in her spot. <laughs> people will be like, oh, sorry, sorry. Okay, yeah. Would you mind taking off your shoes too? We, we just, you know, we like to keep the floors completely scuff-proof. <laughs> like, if you've invited me over, I'd kind of like to feel like you want me to be here. I wonder this Christmas, how welcome, how welcome is God? in the home of your life? How welcome is he? Not just in the living room where you've cleaned everything up nice and neat and, and you stuff stuff into the laundry room and the study, but, but how welcome is God in every room of your life? The Bible says that the word became, Jesus became flesh to make himself at home with us. He became flesh. He left heaven so that we could be forgiven of every single sin. That, that we would have nothing to ever be ashamed of. That's what the word became flesh means. And it requires a response. And the response is Jesus, come in. Come into every room of my life. And here's, here's the thing that you gotta, you make sure that you don't miss this. Every room, every single room that Jesus inhabits in your life or in my life gets better. Every single room is more beautiful, 
is more presentable, is more attractive, is more peaceful. I wonder this Christmas, does anybody have too much peace on earth in your life? Anybody anybody here is just like, this peace is wearing me out. I think my father-in-law's on to something. I think that Christmas and home is a good thing. And, and like I said, I, I've kind of started to see this kind of taking root in my life as I've gotten older. And I, and I think it's, I think it's because of some of the stuff that Julie and I have gotten to do as parents. If you've been around our church at all, you know I've I've told you before that. Worst day of my life was the day that we took Emily to college. We took Joseph to college. They were, they were, man, they were ready. As ready as you can be, they were ready. It was right as rain. They had both picked good places to go that were perfect for them and what they feel called to do in their lives. It was great. But for Julie and me as parents, it was terrible. It was horrible. Julie cried the whole time. I was a rock. <laughs> Actually, I'm just teasing. I, I, was a, I was a basket case. I, I was, it was terrible. I'm just now to the, this is like five and a half years ago when we took Emily. This is the first time I can talk about it publicly and finish the sentence. But I remember watching them leave and realizing that life for us would never be the same again. Because as you know, you know once, once they go to college and then graduate college, blah, blah. But man, when they come home now, when, when they come in the door and, and they bring friends with them, and we, we cook food and hang out and, and catch up with them, it, it's, it's awesome, awesome. And I think if that's how I feel about my kids, as much as I mess up, as imperfect a dad as I am, how much more does our heavenly father, how much more does he love it when we come home? How much more does God love it when we say we want to be there, not just because not just it's Christmas, but we want to be there because Because you are our Father, and we trust you, and we love you, and we want to know you. We want to do your will. When you understand that God not only loves you, there's no question about that. He sent his only son so that if you believe in him, you will not die, but you will have eternal life. His love for you is unquestioned. But not only does he love you, he likes you. He is for you. And that is who invites us home. That is why the word became human. That is why Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. 
And it's an invitation that is there for the taking. I want to ask you if you will bow your heads for just a brief moment. And in this moment, I want to just ask you a very, very direct but simple question. The question is this. Have you invited Jesus into your life? The answer, I said it's simple because it's a yes or a no proposition. Have you personally and definitively invited Jesus to make himself at home in your life? If you haven't, but you would like to, we'd love to give you the opportunity to do that right now, to make this moment really your first real Christmas. You don't have to pass a test or show up at church a certain number of Sundays a year. You just have to begin. You just have to choose to begin. And it starts with a prayer, a prayer of commitment, a prayer of surrender. Surrender to the only one who will never take advantage of your surrender, but will only make it an advantage. If that's you, we invite you to pray just right where you're sitting, just silently, Talk to God from your heart to his and say something like this. Just silently pray and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. And I'm inviting you to be at home in my life, in every area. Jesus, I confess my sin to you. I claim your forgiveness. And in this moment, I give you every part of my life. I will follow you. Lord, I pray this prayer in your name. ask you just to remain in a moment of prayer, just an attitude of prayer with your head bowed for just a moment. Because if that was your prayer and you meant it, this is the greatest Christmas of your life. This is the moment that will springboard every other part of your life. And so as a church, we would love to help with what comes next. Don't just leave this moment here in this room. I want to ask you, if you just prayed that prayer, will you take out the program that you got when you came in and take out the Connect card that's in there? That's for you. And on that Connect card, I want to ask you just right now, right where you are, just start filling that out. And you'll notice there's a, there's a place to indicate, I committed my life to Christ. Just mark that and 
if you would, once you've completed that card, hold on to it until our service dismisses in just a moment. But when we do dismiss, I want to ask you to hand that card to one of our ushers or hosts or to one of the folks underneath the blue awning underneath the big front porch out here. And all that'll do is begin a conversation that will proceed at whatever pace works for you so that we can know we get the opportunity to be the family of faith with you. We get the opportunity just to have a conversation about what comes next. The other thing I wanna ask you to do, if you would, as our heads are bowed, would you just quietly, but just lift your hand if that was your prayer. If you prayed and committed your life to Christ, invited him to be at home in your life, would you just raise your hand and hold it up high? Your hand in the air is just a, a physical statement of the spiritual commitment that you just made. It's a once in a lifetime thing. You don't have to pray and renew or re-up. You just get to begin now living in this relationship with Christ, being a part of the family of faith. And as you put your hands down, our family tradition around here is we put our hands together to tell you Merry Christmas and welcome home. Welcome home.